story of a season. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. He's all by himself. Fires into the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! Here's your host, Truman Chose. You're listening on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. So I wanted to take today to take an opportunity to step back and kind of discuss how I think philosophically speaking, we should approach discussing football. Uh, This past week, there were a couple of different upsets that have shifted perceptions of several different teams. Uh, The most notable ones were the Cowboys losing to the Packers 28-31, the Vikings beating the Bills 33-30 in overtime, and the Eagles losing their first game of the season at home to the Washington Commanders. Uh, So the Vikings have vaulted close to the top of several different power rankings. There is now much hand-wringing as well over how good the Bills, Cowboys, and Eagles truly are. Have they been exposed to just paper tigers? Are they just a bunch of frauds? Is it impossible for any of them to win the Super Bowl? I think we need to slow down and take a breather here. Uh, People seem to want to segment teams into hard and fast tiers. Never mind that these tiers constantly shift over the course of the season. Uh, It's just that you're either in the Super Bowl tier or you're in the overrated tier or the bottom feeder tier. And the minute a team the alleged Super Bowl tier has a bad game, suddenly they're out. They have been proven, quote-unquote, that they can't be trusted and have deep flaws. They've been exposed. I find this to be a highly unproductive way of thinking. In modern NFL history, only the 1972 Miami Dolphins went undefeated. Somehow, 55 other teams won a Super Bowl despite being exposed at one point or another. Every other team who won a Super Bowl also lost. The fact is, every single team in the NFL has some sort of flaw, or will just have a bad game sometimes, or both. The league is a collection of teams with weaknesses who are very much not perfect. And sometimes, teams just happen to have a string of good games during the playoffs. Neither the 2007 nor the 2011 New York Giants were terribly good teams for the majority of the year. But they were the team that won the games in January and February, four games in a row, to hoist the Lombardi Trophy. If we want to rank teams, it's better to see it as being teams that are more likely than not to win versus teams ranked under them, not some sort of binary Super Bowl contender or not. We want to look in terms of probabilities, not certainties. Again, every single team, except for the 1972 Dolphins, is going to have at least a week or so that's weird for them. Just in 2020, the Buccaneers lost to the Saints by 35 points at home. If anything should disqualify a team from being a Super Bowl contender, A 35-point home loss should. And yet, look what happened. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers won a Super Bowl that year. So we need to take a holistic look at teams rather than say that one or two games disqualifies them from being contenders. That's not to say that we can't look at trends or say that a bad loss could be a bad sign in the future, but a single game or single play needs to be kept in perspective. And speaking of single plays, we also need to keep in mind that fluky plays can happen. As boring as it may sound, what's going to be most predictive in the future is how good your offense or defense is at picking up yardage or a first down or preventing them on a typical play. So looking back at this week, how should we look at the teams I just mentioned? Uh, We'll run through the Bills and Vikings first, and if we have time, look at the Eagles and Cowboys as well. So I don't think that the Vikings are a bad team by any means, but let's tap the brakes on calling them a top three NFL team right now. Yes, it's very impressive that they beat the Bills. Also, as noted, sometimes fluky things happen, and we should look at their other eight games for data as well. Even looking at that game alone, 
it was a fluky win. The win was due to a strange set of circumstances, which I will recap now. Buffalo had built up a 17-point lead over the Vikings, but eventually Minnesota chipped away at it to make it a 27-23 game. But with not much time left, on their own side of the field, it wasn't looking promising. As we welcome you to Orchard Park with two minutes left in a four-point game. Kirk Cousins back to throw on fourth and 18. He's given time. He wants Jefferson. Climbs the ladder. Oh, my goodness. Justin Jefferson pulled it in. The catch of his life. But we got to look back at this. How does he maintain possession all the way through? Not allow that ball to hit the ground. That clip came courtesy of Fox, Joe Davis, and Daryl Johnston. That play has been in my YouTube recommended for the past four days. It is all anyone on NFL online commentary is talking about. Since this is a radio show, if you haven't seen a clip, I'll just let you know. It really is one of the catches for the ages, and you should look it up to see for yourself. But from there, it looked iffy for the Vikings again. They got down to the red zone and thought they had scored a touchdown, but it was overturned. They then had a fourth and goal at the one. Kirk Cousins threw a pass, which Dalvin Cook then bobbled, leading to a turnover on downs. The Bills appeared to have the game won, but then the first play of the drive happened. Hey, alert it! Alert it! Alert it! Zero breathing room. He tries to sneak it. The ball is loose. Impossible! Do the Vikings have it? Scrambling for the ball. It's Eric Kendricks, a fumbled snapper, and a touchdown for the Vikings. Thanks again to Fox, Joe Davis, and Daryl Johnson. So Josh Allen fumbled the ball, and the Vikings recovered for a defensive touchdown. But the Bills managed to drive down the field for the field goal to force it into overtime. Once in overtime, the Vikings took six minutes to kick a field goal before Minnesota cornerback Patrick Peterson intercepted Josh Allen on the next drive to end the game. It was a really thrilling game and one for the ages, but predictive of the future, it is probably not. Minnesota had to have one of the greatest catches of all time and a defensive touchdown to win, two things that should never, ever be depended on. Football Outsiders gave them a post-game win expectancy of 1.4%, meaning if the Bills and Vikings played each other with roughly the same efficiencies as in that game, they would expect the Bills to win 98% of the time. Minnesota has a point differential of 35. They aren't even outscoring their opponents by 4 points per game. It is also the worst point differential of any 8-1 team in the Super Bowl era. They've gone 7-0 and in close games, meaning every single close game they've played, and they've played a lot, they have won. They also have a negative DVOA, ranking 17th for easily the worst DVOA of any 8-1 team. In short, they've been kind of lucky. Now, DVOA uh, might be underrating them a little bit. Other advanced stats have them ranked a little bit above average. But even so, if you look at anything outside of win-loss record, the Vikings are not a top-5 team at all. So this could continue. Or they could also improve their actual standard of play. 
if all the rest of their eight games are close and they regress to a 500 record in them, they would still end the season with 12 wins and a division title. They could also be the team that gets lucky and wins multiple playoff games in a row en route to Super Bowl. But if you take the season as a whole into consideration, I think that multiple teams have proven themselves to be better on average. Meanwhile, after two losses by three points each to teams with winning records, suddenly the sky is falling for the Buffalo Bills. It's now proven that they're not a truly elite team. They can't win close. Nothing is going right. Slow down. The Bills still have the best point differential in the league, and even if we're just going based off of win-loss record, do you realize how many teams would kill for a 6-3 and record? They've won twice as many games as they've lost. Clearly, they have what it takes. It's totally okay to be a pretty good team rather than the untouchable team that we expected after the first month of play. It's also perfectly legitimate to note that the Bills haven't scored a second-half touchdown in the last three weeks. Trends like that are legitimately concerning. It's also fine to note that they have a tough schedule coming up. They'll be playing the Bengals as well as their remaining four division games. And all four teams in the AFC East have a legitimate argument for being a top 10 team. All of those are closer to coin flip games than guarantees. But I still firmly believe that the Buffalo Bills are one of the best teams in the league and better than Minnesota. Finally, I also just wanted to comment on the Eagles and the Cowboys games. Uh, I still think that Philadelphia is the best team in the NFC. Yes, they lost a game. Also, that happens. Over the course of the year, they have racked up the best point differential in the NFC. Uh, I think that what's happening right now is people are combining their preconceived notion that Philadelphia's record is just based on their soft schedule, plus this loss to Washington, uh, to try and put forward the narrative that Philadelphia is just... Uh, a supremely overrated team. I do not believe that this is the case. I am of the opinion that a big win over a bad team is more important than a close win over a good team. Philadelphia has had a number of big wins over bad teams. Yes, they had a loss where they did not look very impressive against Washington, but they've had many more wins over the course of the year that were impressive against bad teams. So this is just one game. I still believe in them. Dallas, uh, listen, they were leading by 14 in the fourth quarter. You should win those games. But also, this was in Lambeau against a desperate Packers team, against a desperate Aaron Rodgers in cold and snow. Uh, It's not shocking to me that they could lose that game, Uh, especially if Rodgers wants revenge against Mike McCarthy. You know, that does seem like the sort of thing that he would really put his mind to. So I'm also not overly concerned about Dallas, and as it happens, neither is Vegas. Dallas is currently, just for reference, to be clear, opening as a two-point favorite over Minnesota on the road. So advanced stats people and the people whose money is where their mouth is, they are banking on Dallas still being one of the best teams in the league. So there you go. Eagles. Bills, Cowboys, I need to see more before I think that they're truly being overrated. And Vikings, I think, are a good team, just not quite on their tier. So we'll see what happens in the coming weeks, but that's my take on the last week or so and all these upsets. For those just tuning in, you're listening on WRFH 101.7 FM to Story of a Season. I'm your host, Truman Chose, and now we're going to dig into NFL Power Rankings. Uh, 
So I am still of the belief that the Eagles, Chiefs, and Bills in some order are the top three teams in the NFL. They have some of the strongest point differentials. They have consistently, week to week, looked fairly good. This week, I am going to put the Bills at number one. Uh, they, they have the best point differential in the league at 99. Yes, they just lost the Vikings. I just spent some time detailing that, so I don't want to go into too much detail on that. But on the whole, if you were to just play any team against an average team and tell me I want the best chance to win, I would pick the Bills. Number two, I'm going to go with the Eagles. Uh, yes, they looked iffy against Washington. It was, for the most part, close throughout. And yes, the Commanders have not looked like a very good team this season. Uh, but I think that that's just a one-off. We'll see in the future if the Eagles still look iffy in the future. Uh, I'm just looking at their other eight games and noting how good they looked. So I think this is a fluke. The calls for 17-0 were evidently a little premature. Losses happen to everyone. Just think back to 2020 and when the Chiefs lost at home to the Raiders. When people were talking about them going potentially 17-0, didn't happen. You just should not talk about teams going undefeated this early in the season. Uh, so then number three, the Chiefs. Um, again, what else is there to say? Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, some of the best play calling, some of the best quarterbacks, getting some of the best uh, weapons you're going to see anywhere in the league. They made it to four straight AFC championship games, and I don't see a reason for that to stop. Uh, all right, so then moving on from that, which has been fairly consistent from week to week and probably the most boring segment of the show. Uh, number four, I am going to put the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa is looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Could it be because of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and the weapons and Mike McDaniels? Yes, it could. Uh, so should he win MVP? Maybe not. But whatever is going on in Miami, no matter who is responsible for it, it's working. Uh, Tua has performed better than Teddy Bridgewater did uh, in his absence. So I think that Tua is at least part of it. But no matter the case, something is going right there. Tua is looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He's having one of the best seasons of all time. If, If you go by Football Outsiders DVOA for quarterbacks, they have him as not only the best in the league this year, but also one of the best in any year's. Uh, up there with people like 2007 Tom Brady or a couple of Dan Marino seasons. So this is looking like potentially legendary stuff. They just handled the Browns in a game that I thought would be fairly close, and the Browns aren't even that bad this year. Uh, So the Dolphins are looking legit. It's not just two other defense is improving. So I think the Dolphins are a legitimate threat to win the AFC East and the AFC in general. Uh, If they play the Chiefs in a playoff game, that is going to be one heck of a shootout. It will be very entertaining. Uh, Number five, I'm going to put the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Yes, they had a bad loss to the Browns recently, but they really came back against the Panthers. Uh, Looking forward, it seems like they might have gotten their run game figured out. Joe Burrow, still a top 10 quarterback in the league. Their defense is also surprisingly underrated. So Bengals looking very solid, I think potentially better than last year. So I could very well see them as being a threat to the Chiefs or the Bills 
or the Dolphins in the AFC this year. Bengals at five. Number six, I am going to put the Cowboys. Yes, they just lost to the Packers. As I mentioned, Green Bay, highly motivated that week. Uh, overall, the Cowboys have looked like a very solid team. Their defense has been spectacular. Uh, Micah Parsons is on fire this year. And against the Bears, they really uh, put the pedal to the offense. So if they can just marry those two together, I think the Cowboys are going to be highly legit. And even if it doesn't happen in one week, from week to week, either their offense or their defense is still probably going to be fairly solid. So Cowboys at 6. Then number 7, I'm going to put the 49ers. I could see them as potentially the best team in the NFC if everything went right for them and they didn't have too many injuries or anything, I think they're going to be a deep playoff threat no matter where in the seeding they land, assuming, of course, they, they do make the playoffs. Uh, with this defense and with Christian McCaffrey and the always underrated Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Kyle Shanahan as coach, uh, I think that this team can go very far. And they are going to be a team that no one wants to face in the coming weeks. Uh, number eight... And number eight, I'm going to put the Baltimore Ravens. They have led by 10 points at the very least in at one point in every game they've played. Uh, all their losses have been very close and very fluky. I think that they are a very, very good team with Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh. Uh, they should be very dangerous down the stretch. Ravens at eight. Moving on to game picks. Uh, first up, we have the Detroit Lions at the New York Giants. Uh, I am going to take the Lions to keep it close. The Giants have severely overperformed this year. Uh, they have a 7-2 and record, but they have a point differential of plus 14. Uh, I think that they are a pretty good team. I give massive credit to Brian Dayball, every, everyone else involved, Saquon Barkley, um, this is a legitimate team. They're going to make the playoffs most likely. That being said, I do think that they evidently have a few weaknesses and they are closer to a 5-4 and four team than a 7-2 and two team. Detroit has won their last two games and they've looked okay. I think that they might be motivated to start to make a playoff run and get to a 4-6 and six record. So I am going to take Detroit to beat the Giants outright 21-20. to 20. Uh, then we've got the Jets at the Patriots. Uh, I'm going to take the Patriots to win handily. I know that the Jets are coming off of a win over the Bills. However, I don't think this is a good matchup for them. The Patriots just beat the Jets in New York earlier this year, just a couple weeks ago. I think these are this is a game between two very strong defenses. However, I trust the Patriots' offense to make fewer mistakes than Zach Wilson. I think that Bill Belichick will feast on Wilson and make him uncomfortable, possibly force a turnover or two. Uh, so I am going to take the Patriots, whether it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi, whoever. I'll take New England to win 28-17. to Then we've got the Raiders at the Broncos. Uh, I'm going to take the Raiders to this one. This is a game between two teams with very mediocre records. Uh, who had higher preseason expectations. Uh, the thing with the Raiders is I know that they can score points if they want to. The Broncos 
currently have the fewest points scored in the league, but also the fewest points allowed. So basically, I think that the Raiders can put one over on the Broncos' defense uh, and score more than, you know, 18 points or whatever. They did that a couple weeks ago and get to 3-7, and seven, knock the Broncos to 3-7, and seven, and technically stay in wild card contention, although in the AFC that is a very slim possibility. So I'm going to pick the Raiders to win uh, 26 to 20. Uh, then we got the 49ers at the Cardinals. I'm going to take the 49ers to beat the Cardinals fairly handily. I do not think that Arizona is a good team. Uh, they have not looked it for the most part. The only reason they won last week, well, I shouldn't say the only reason the Rams have been pretty bad, but one of the reasons they won last week is because the Rams were starting their backup quarterback. Uh, we'll see if Kyler Murray plays this game or has much practice time this week at all. 49ers, I think, are going to start to go on a roll. They're at 5-4. and four. They're going to be hungry for another win uh, to catch up with the Seahawks. And, again, with Christian McCaffrey, their additions, and hopefully getting a little healthier recently over the bye week, uh, I think that the 49ers will easily handle the Cardinals 31-20. Uh, to 20. All right, thanks for tuning in. This has been Story of a Season with me as your host, Truman Chose on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM.